this session we thought it'd be cool to uh, chat around a couple of things um, and also invite you in on the conversation. Uh, one thing that we're actually going to be focusing in on this session is chatting around lessons learnt uh, in lockdown. And we just thought it'd be kind of helpful for us as churches and leaders and, and people um, to hear some of the things that maybe some of our leaders have learnt along the way. So we're going to be chatting with some of the team guys this afternoon. So I'm going to invite those uh, beautiful people up. Uh, can you help me welcome, I guess? We've got Russ, Dodie. We've got Elodie Dodie, daughter-in-law. <laughs> We've also got Paul Zanato. We've also got Darren Prosser. And we've got Paul Collinson. Oh, very good. Come grab a seat, guys. And um, thank you. Very good. Um, you'll notice as these guys are taking a seat that there's a phone number on the screen. That is Tyrone's number. It's been exclusive all this time. <laughs> but it's there, and you can text him, and he will filter your questions, and we'll, we'll control the conversation that way. Um, now, it's my number, and so <laughs> shoot through your questions, and... Uh, we obviously won't be able to get to everybody's questions. We're not going to be question-led, but we just thought it'd be cool to try and include some of the stuff that's coming through. But do send them through. It's usually really exciting to do a conversation with all of us um, where it works. Um, but we'll kick it off, and, and you guys, like, just, you know, we'd, we'd love to honor you to receive from some of the stuff that you've each learned and uh, seen God do, I guess, through lockdown. But, yeah, so we're talking lessons learned in lockdown Maybe we just like jump into it with what are some of the hallmark things that you feel like God maybe did through lockdown or in lockdown uh, or lessons that we'll learn. Anyone want to jump into it? Straight in. Okay, I'll start. <laughs> oh, yeah. So now I'm scared. That's, don't get too excited. I'm not very interesting. Um, but I, like Tyron said this morning, like moving from doing to being, for me that was like stripping away the doing. I am very much a Martha. Yeah. And those first few weeks, like all pastors' wives, I had to be a Martha because we had to figure out how to do all the things. So I don't know if anyone, if you can understand, but suddenly like I had to learn how to use a video thing and a camera and things turned around and there was all sorts of things happening. But after that, ah, oh, Jesus and me. We got nice and close. So just to learn to sit with the Father is like the best thing. When the stuff's stripped away, what really matters is to just be a daughter of the King. And that's, that's what I learned was the strongest lesson. So, yeah. Paul's got a song. Did anyone learn where babies come from? <laughs> We had one question come through previously. No COVID babies on our side. <laughs> someone, asked, someone asked, what do I do with the lockdown baby my wife and I made because we were bored? <laughs> Any wisdom? Is that you, Sal? <laughs> Sal. Um... But yes, <laughs> continuing on. Anything, anything else? That's great. That's awesome. So intimacy with Jesus, prioritizing that Mary 
I'll jump in, dude, because right. these guys are just going to talk otherwise. <laughs> you know, uh, for us, uh, unfortunately, in Tasmania, we had a very short lockdown. But we realized that we, right at the beginning, that we had a whole lot more people than we had in connect groups. So we deputized a whole lot of people and said, would you just contact these people? And gave them a list of people. It made us realize you know, that uh, sometimes we have a whole lot more ministers than we give opportunity to. And uh, so it, that kind of started, at least in me, a process of thinking through some of the, what are the real valuable things? Well, the real biblical things. They, they devoted themselves steadfastly to the apostles' teaching, to, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayers. And when we weren't able to really fellowship, it, it became real how important and valuable that is. Fortunately for us, that was only a matter of a few weeks, like many of you. But it, it made us realize, but then in the last six months, uh, we've had a different thing in that we had virtually no COVID in Tasmania uh, for a long time. And then we opened up the borders and it just swept through the whole island. <laughs> Wait, I, 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 our premier has yeah, okay. all those Victorians. It's that generous at, spirit. At the, at the beginning of uh, COVID, our premier said, we have a moat and we're not afraid to use it. But then when we opened up, it just, it just went through everything. And uh, it, it just changed everybody. People all of a sudden, they, they had to distance and they had to People were isolating in homes, and we found at the same time we moved into a different venue that was a little bit more restricted. It had fixed seating, and they were very tight, and it, it was a little bit different. But we found after a few months that we had lost something of just the connection, just the, the people connecting, even though we're meeting. And uh, we had a, a young lady who had been away uh, for about six months and came back, and one of her observations was when we finish everyone gets up and leaves it was never like that before and we kind of went oh you're right and uh so we, I, I just checked one sunday just challenged people and said here's the situation this is what's happened why can i just ask you hang around for a little while 90 percent of people didn't go home they just hung around connecting with people and it was something we just slid into not intentionally, but we just allowed the circumstances to slowly change the values. And it's interesting how that's how the devil often works. If it hits you in the face with something, you go, no, get out of here, devil. But it's just that slow progression. And so, yeah, it made us realize that, yeah, we had to not submit to that, but to actually fight against those things. One of the uh, beautiful things that has come out of COVID, and as you know, Melbourne, we, <laughs> we got locked down for nine months with a five kilometer radius, but again, Th the three view... months, three months too short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, hello. 
Yeah, you need to be baptised again, bro. But, um, but one of the beautiful things that, that, you know, we said, yeah, the prophets didn't, didn't predict COVID, but Jesus never got caught by surprise. And when, you know, Matthew 7, it reminds us about building a house on the rock. And when you build on the right foundations, no matter what comes, you know, the people are prepared. And I, for me, one of the lessons was to see how resilient and, and prepared the people of God really are when, when you take away the structure. You know, Tyron talked about the car, the, the, the prophetic word, he lost his car. But to see, you know, when, to see the priesthood move from the gathering into the gathering, into the oikos in our communities. And so the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the manifestations and healings. And then, and then on the streets, we saw, you know, a, 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 an incredible amount of people radically saved on the street. I mean, uh, you know, we have one of our, our, our wild boys here. I mean, he baptized somebody in, in, in a ditch, in a, you know, in, in a mud ditch. But just to say, you know, the church didn't stop. You know, one of the things that we learned is that when we have to, you know, when, when you know, that, that the, it's so beautiful to see the bride of Christ, you know, not lose it. But when you build on the right foundations, bang, we were in the streets, we were mobilized. And I think we, we grew better as disciples of Jesus because of the experience. We actually had to all put into practice what we were learning rather than relying on Matt or some of the elders. We all had to be priests in the marketplace. And I think we grew because of that and the favor of God came upon because of that. So I think COVID was good. <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> we may have brainwashed everyone at Melbourne Lights, but we all like, oh, it's quite good for us, actually. Like, let's all just look at the positive, the positive, the positive. It's good. We loved it. It's yeah. Great. Keep your mind. Yeah. Things above. Sorry we, if we made you feel bad for that, but no, we're no, not. That's good. I, I like, like, what you were saying as well, Russ, about, like, you know, contending for relationship and then seeing, like, the church continuing to move forward, you know, here in Melbourne, like, it just, there's evidence, it's like, if we go after it, we can actually see it continue to happen, you know. Um, what we did s seem to see a lot of during lockdown was division in the church, right? Um, as you probably know, half these guys are anti-vaxxers and the other half, are, I'm joking. <laughs> but the reality is, you're pro you probably will even have different opinions about this. I mean, there's there is, there is doctrine that we, we have to firmly, there's like non-negotiables, you know, our doctrine, um, but there are, there's all sorts of stuff, different opinions within a church. I guess like the question is, how do we, was like one of the questions that came through was like with all the family disputes and stuff and differing beliefs that did come out of this time, how do we move forward from that and make sure that we don't have like such... So, like an issue that comes out like this where it causes division? Like, is there, is there a way to not face something like that again? Or is it inevitable? Unity? How do we contend for You're that? You're answering it for us. Look, well, can, I, can I say that on that context, I think the key aspect for all of us as leaders, irrelevant of COVID, but inclusive of COVID, is that we point people to Jesus. Yeah. And we actually teach people how to hear the voice of God for themselves. 
The biggest battle I think that we face, and I've heard from many other churches and leaders, is in the division that people were taking sides. And we always know that the enemy's about division. God's always about unity. So our role as leaders is to unify the people around hearing the voice of God for themselves. And then when they hear that, not to superimpose that upon other people. Either which way. Whether you believe in vaccination or you don't believe in vaccination, whether you believe COVID was real or not real, in the end of it, hear the voice of God for your life and walk by the leading of the Holy Spirit in that, then His grace, His protection, and His covering will be with you and your family and your circumstances. But then don't put that upon somebody else because that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. That's religion. And we say we want to actually teach people to be free. So then as leaders, we need to create an environment where we teach them how to do that but give them the freedom to be able to do that and then silence them when they're not. And I think that's the key is we've got to sometimes we, we've got a rod and a staff. And we love using the, the staff. But there is a time sometimes we actually have to take the rod out of love for the person and for other people and say, actually, now's the time to be silent. Not beat them. <gasps> Lovingly correct them and rebuke them in righteousness so that they would walk and bring unity into the things that God has. What? <laughs> Fully. Well, is there room then for politics in the church? I mean, politics is defined. <laughs> it's just a question. I mean, we've, we've heard a little bit about politics. <laughs> it's, it's another question that's come through. There's a, there's a million questions coming through, so I'm trying to... Uh, Are they all, are they all from Sal? The, mostly from Sal. Jim, uh, on behalf of Jim to Paul Zanato, are Anglicans in the Bible... <laughs> yeah, walk the dog, bro. But but obviously, like we saw, there's, there was a lot of. I mean, because there was it was such a polarizing time, people felt it was a time to okay, I'm going to speak up for this. I'm going to speak up to this. What? How does? How do politics work in the church? How does you know? I don't know. Is there a space for the church to be political? Maybe that's a better way to put the question. I I. Th- I think this is personal. I think if we make it anything but the king and the kingdom, it gets very, very dicey. Um, And this is just my opinion. People can have their politics, their views and whatnot. But when we start mixing, which Jesus never did. Jesus never took on Rome. Never. You won't find a New Testament. And I think we can have opinions, we can have preferences, but if we start bringing them into the mandate and the mission of what God's called us, I, I think we, we slippery sand, very dangerous, extremely dangerous, because what happens is then we take our eyes off the prize. We take our eyes off what we're called to do. We take our eyes off, you know, the here and now. He's, he's coming back, you know, uh, soon. And there are thousands, millions of people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus and said, so we either preach from a place of the politics or from the word of God and the gospel of the kingdom. And so I think it's, you know, it's, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your call. You're getting distracted. And, and it's it really, uh, it's going to make an insecure church if you're starting to pursue politics. You know, if you want to do it, just do it. But don't bring other people into that because I think that's not what we are called to do. Uh, that's not the mandate of the church. You know, Jesus came 
to seek and save the lost. You know, Luke 19, I think that's still our Magna Carta, still our call. Yeah, good words. Um, I think it's obvious we don't serve a political God. Uh, God is not political in the way he functions. And I mean, right from the outset in the book of Genesis, God said, let us create. And together they created. There was no vote. There was no democratic republic. There was no opposition. God worked, and we heard this morning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all three were engaged in the creative process and in the creation. There, There was no... Well, you know, let's sit around and theorise about creation first and say, do we really want to create? Like, right from the outset, he wasn't a political God. And if we get the pattern for the church from Scripture, there's nothing in Scripture that says the church should be political either. Uh, But there's plenty in Scripture that says it shouldn't be. So I guess the short answer is, is there a place in church to, to be political? Well, the easy answer is no, there isn't. Why not? Because it's not in Scripture. Scripture is very clear. Local churches are governed by local elders, and local elders should be in team with a in partnership with an apostolic prophetic team. And there's a lot in there about how the teams should function, how the church should function. And actually, if you think about it, much of it's a mirror one of the other. How should a team function? Very similar to how a church functions. Uh, There's not like two sets of instructions. There's one set of instructions with a very broad application. And none of it's political. Um, so therefore, my simple answer, because I'm a simple person, would be yeah, p- politics and church. Look, I, I think the political world probably got created because the church abdicated her responsibility in the first place. But now that that's been done, we can't really get involved in it. Uh, and and, and take, we certainly can't learn from it and apply its lessons. I mean... Gosh, look at Australian politics right now. Uh, I know we... Is this this being recorded? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, yeah, cut the live stream for me for a second. I don't want to, like, name and shame, but the media are. Um, I mean, Australian Christians have probably prayed for generations for an Australian Prime Minister. We've just had one, and now it's just coming out that the guy swore himself into how many different ministerial roles. I mean, and and the the defence is it wasn't a breach of our Constitution. Well, it probably wasn't, but it probably was a breach of the spirit of our Constitution. And I'm, I'm not trying to expose who I voted for here. What I'm saying is the structure doesn't work. So why adopt a structure that doesn't work when the scriptures give us a structure that does? Can I add something? Yeah. I agree completely. And I just want to quote a good friend of mine who happened to say something yesterday. <laughs> Tyrant, I'm going to put this back to Tyrant. <clears throat> he said that too often when we get focused on things like politics, it's because we've got our eyes off of what's important. And so we take something, a cause... People say righteousness exalts a nation. But we know that the only way to righteousness is in Jesus. So you want righteousness in the nation? Preach the gospel. Don't preach righteousness because it won't work. The government will never be righteous. But once we get that, once we get focused on that, once that becomes our cause, we're going to 
bring righteousness into the, poli the political realm and the church, we've got to get behind that. It takes us away from preaching the gospel, which is the only thing that would actually change people. Because it's the only thing that changes hearts. No government, no form of government changes the heart. And so we think, ah, if we only had a different government, it would be different. No, it's just still self-centered people under the influence of the devil. That's what the word says. Contrary to the kingdom, the only solution is the kingdom. And you only get to become part of the kingdom when you respond to Jesus. So anything else just becomes a, uh, a distraction to get us away from what is the, the main thing. So very clear, is there politics in the church? There shouldn't be. And if there is, kick it out. Can I just add one thing? It's going to maybe hear my heart and it's not cut across. But I think there's something else that we do need to understand. I agree that the political context of things should not be involved in the church meaning leaders standing up and saying this and that and this side and that side. But I also believe we do have a responsibility to teach people how politics works. I want you to listen to me for a moment. Because most Christians are illiterate. And God has still given us a vote and has given us an authority. But it's not our place to tell them what to do with it. It's our place, like we've mentioned before with COVID, to teach them to go to God. Hear His voice. Otherwise, we end up with Christians that we see all around the world today that put in a donkey vote. That's actually not, I believe, what the heart of God is. God gives us an ability and gives us a system and the things. And I don't like them and I don't agree them. But at the same point in time, we've actually got to teach people, actually, not who you vote for or what about this and that, but actually learn about the system so that you can make your presence count. Because I believe God does give us a voice to be able to have that but not to get into the debates of the arguments that become political. So not the political spirit, but I think we do need to actually come back at times and go, do you know what? Do you know how the democratic society and voting works in our nation? Do you? Because as Christians, we should. We should have a revelation and understanding instead of going, oh, it doesn't matter. Now, to hear me, we need to keep Jesus a focus. That is the point. The gospel, everything everyone else is saying here, the political spirit cannot be welcomed in the church. But we also have to come back and go, but there is a place where we have a vote and we need to understand. We need to take that seriously and not throw it away. And I just want you to hear that as well. We don't just throw, oh, voting doesn't matter. Does, actually, we've got a responsibility under God to hear his voice and be led by his spirit. Do you hear my heart in that? It's the spirit that's the issue that causes division and causes all the other stuff. The system's broken, but we're still in the system and we've got a responsibility in the system to actually stand up and say, this is what God is leading, how he's leading us. If you don't agree with me, that's okay. I think that's a vote for Darren. <laughs> actually, I was voting for you, but anyway. Well, honestly, on that, like one of the things that's coming up, a couple of questions are like, okay, so then if, there's no, if we shouldn't have politics in the church then can a Christian uh, go after the political world? So can a Christian pursue being a prime minister? You know, how does that work? How do we not hear what's not being said? Or is it being said, you know, like, are we supposed to not go to, you know? What does that look like? 
That's an interesting question, isn't it? And, and let me precede everything I'm about to say by if you do go into politics and you do become a politician and you do become the Prime Minister, don't name us as your friends until you've done well. <laughs> uh, if you do really, really well, then you can tell everybody you know us and you're with us. But at the start, just keep it quiet, all right? <laughs> Prove yourself first is what I'm saying. Um, Look, if, if God, I think, has put it on somebody's heart to do that and influence that world, it's like any other world. We need people to be influential everywhere. Um, we, we're not going to change the political system by avoiding it. Uh, so, and uh, who knows? There could be a, f a future prime minister sitting here in the room. And I, I would encourage you, if that's what God's put on your heart to be and to do, to go do it and be it and do it well, but don't name me until you've been good at it. <laughs> um, certainly wouldn't. I mean, you know, if someone wants to be a, a musician or an artist or a whatever else, we encourage that if that's what God's put in them. Well, if God has put a politician's heart in you, I'm sorry it's so cold, but I... <laughs> <laughs> All we can do is encourage that and say, make sure you influence it and don't let it influence you. I've got a son who's studying politics, so um, not sure, not sure where I went wrong. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and possibly this evening, uh, there's a Sydney pastor who's uh, heavily involved in politics and uh, his influence in the schooling system, you, you all know some of the laws that are passing now uh, in their Christian schools, what we can and can't do. And this man is fighting hard to be radically biblical in how we teach our kids and what we can do. Um, so I think he's coming this evening. But so there's a place, there's a place where God calls uh, men and women into those roles to stand up for, ju for justice and mercy in, into the land. And, uh, and I really sense it, you know, I hear my son doing this, you know, he has a, such a heart for, you know, for the radical sense of the justice of God. And so I think there are people that, that, that God calls and sets apart and not that we put them on pedestals, but like anything, God is in the marketplace. We need to bring the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in the marketplace and, and we need to pray for them because it's such a vulnerable place. The attack is, 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 is just, it's some of the stuff out there in our country is demonic and we really need to hear the voice of righteousness, the voice of God. And I, like, I think Paul said this, or Darren, you know, when the voice of the church is silent, then other voices rise up. And, you know, it's time for us to just to speak the truth, speak it in love, but to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, to get focused back on the things of the Lord, to speak with boldness what we have in the 66 books of the Bible, unapologetically. And if that means politics, so be it. Can I, can I just throw this as well? I've come to know a personal friend um, in Adelaide, he's in federal politics in the upper house. And it broke my heart when I had coffee with him one day and he said to me, Darren, you expect the attacks from the world and from the media. But I'd always prayed it wouldn't come from the church. So can I just say, let our words be few unless they're to our Father in prayer. Because God positions people in these places Let's not crit criticise them. Let's not cut them down. Because they're honestly doing their best before God. And some of the hardest attacks they get is from the church, who are the ones that should be praying for them, as Paul just said a moment ago. We get the governments we deserve because we've prayed. 
So let's not take it out on them. Let's get on our knees. Let's bring our churches to that place. We're praying for our nation, for the nations of the world, for the bigness of the kingdom. Let's not make it about politics, but let's make it about the kingdom, which means it's all inclusive of every sphere of society, that they would come to know the wonder and the power being demonstrated. My prayer is that in our, well, in, what do you call it, Parliament House, there'd be such an outpouring of the Spirit of God that they would fall upon their knees in repentance because they've met Jesus got nothing to do with politics but they need jesus as much as this the doctor the surgeon the mechanic whoever it is the school every one of them needs jesus just like we did so let's get on our knees and pray that god would move in our areas of influence and spheres of influence of these people but for the purposes of the kingdom amen oh very good um just again uh, moving through this uh, Moving away from politics, try and keeping politics out of the chat. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is great. This is great, valuable discussion. But continuing on this thing of lessons learned in lockdown, I think we obviously. What was the stat about the churches that shut down in US? 35,000 35, shut down and will never open again. And so that's a sign of you know we're seeing people burning out and things built on wrong foundations and all of that. Um, I guess the question is, I think, was it today or yesterday, Ty was talking a little bit around restoring people as well. And there may be some people here that have gone through burnout, people in our churches, in your your teams, maybe you're leading your lead teams uh, that have gone through burnout, people in your family. What does it actually look like to walk alongside someone and restore them if they've become weary or burnt out in the last season? And maybe if you've got any testimonies, it'd be awesome to hear. People that have walked through that. Come on, Elodie. <laughs> Elodie. Elodie. Yeah, right. Elodie. Hey. What are you thinking? Yeah. No one's I, jumping in, really, are they? It's all you, Elodie. It's all me. It's all on me. Yeah, it's all on Jesus. On. Like, <laughs> if, come on. if people have suffered burnout, we've got to get them to fall in love with their first love again. He's the only one that can fill their soul and restore them. I um, Tyron had mentioned Psalm 23 this morning, and it's just reminding people that, like, the start of Psalm 23 says, He, like, um, help me, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me, He restores me, rah rah. Then, when we get to the valley, from that moment of valley, the scripture changes to you. So, in those valley moments, we all go through valley moments, whether it's burnout or our health. It's, it's our decision to, if we look to Jesus, then our intimacy with him gets stronger. He uses the valleys to make us stronger so that then it goes from what we knew about him to I know him because he carried me through. So may it go from he to now you. <laughs> so I don't like, we, it's not our place to close people out of the church. We want to open the doors of the church for them. And, and to make a way for them, but it's our job to show them Jesus so that they walk with him because yeah, yeah. we can't yeah. restore them. We're not medical practitioners, but, yeah, we can show them Jesus. That's all we are qualified to do. Go, Russ. Yeah. Let me just add to that. Uh, I think one of the ploys of the devil, and you see it in the world, is to redefine terms. They just went through this thing in the U.S. for 40 years. A recession is defined by two consecutive quarters of negative growth. 
they had that, and all of a sudden they say, well, that's not recession anymore. <laughs> We're going to change, change the definition. But, but the, that's the devil's ploy, and I think, unfortunately, when people accept the wrong things, if they think church is a building, or they think church is a Sunday meeting, and then those things aren't able to happen, then it falls apart. Now, they can be restored, but if they continue with a wrong belief, they're just going to burn out again. And so we have to build with Jesus, but with Jesus' purpose and pattern as well. And so there is a sense of, what does the Bible actually say? Now, let me tell you this. The Bible says the church is a gathering of people. That's what it says. That's what the word means. And so if we redefine that, and people are still doing that, online is not church. Okay? It, it, we made it work because we had to. But if we say that's the new definition of church, the new way of doing church, we've actually contradicted what Jesus said in the Bible. And so I'm not saying that that's wrong, please. But I'm saying when we allow people to believe that there's a new thing that changes what Jesus said to something, I'm, I'm, I get stirred up with this. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll calm down. That, that, that we just have to say, okay, what, is, what did the Bible say? What did Jesus say? And what did it mean? We cannot go along with people. They want to change the definitions. And if we accept that, we're, we're in trouble. Because then we're not, no longer the pillar and ground of truth. Why don't we pray? Now, sometimes, inadvertently, we go one degree of separation and then another degree to the left and another degree and we get our eyes off the blueprint. I just felt as you were talking right now that if you're burnt out and tired, right now, that you just move back to the plumb line. We discussed that we wouldn't do just a panel but we would allow the Spirit to speak. So, Lord, we come, I come, and now move, Lord, one degree, two degrees, five degrees. If I've moved away from the pattern, I, Paul, ask for your forgiveness. Can't ask for forgiveness for them. But, Lord, together in this room, we've not come to do a conference we're not to come to do another meeting, but Lord, to realign our hearts with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Forgive us, Lord. We've allowed voices, we've allowed people, church, ministry, whatever it is, to distract us from the call of God. And we come before you, Lord, and Lord, we come back to the plumb line right now. Jesus, the cornerstone, Ephesians 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us a mandate and a blueprint. And Lord, if we are burnt out, Lord, that we would be humble right now to say, Lord, I'm coming back to the place of worship. I'm coming back to the place of my first love. Lord, I've let go of my first love. I repent, Lord. I'm sorry. Lord, I want you, Jesus, and nothing else to be my first love yet again. 
I'm going to actually lay down right now at the footstool of Jesus my burnout, my excuses, my politics, whatever it is. And Lord, would you be the preeminent one again in my heart? Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my body. I give you my mind. Realign it right now. Would you just say in your heart, Jesus, realign my heart to the heartbeat of yours in Jesus' name. Amen. That was awesome. Can I just say that I think COVID, it didn't create issues for the church. It just exposed the issues that were already in it. COVID was like the Petri dish that was the testing room for what's really happening. And I think what we found was there was some weaknesses, there was some cracks in, in the, when, when I say the church, I mean some people that were making up the church. And I think what COVID did was it exposed where those weaknesses were so people could either respond, adjust and, and move on or they would have burnout or fall away or whatever. And to be honest, I mean, we, we all know people that have had both responses, you know, some who were walking with us at the start of COVID, no longer walking with us. Some who weren't walking with us at the start of COVID are sprinting with us now because they actually responded better. Uh, and I think what the, the, the weaknesses, you know, it's the old saying, isn't it? You, if you squeeze a toothpaste tube, toothpaste comes out because that's what's in it and I think COVID squeezed believers in a way that exposed what was inside them what was were they genuine were they the real deal um you, you can you, you can squeeze a, a tube of Denka rub onto your toothpaste onto your toothbrush with the firm belief that it's a toothpaste tube that stuff's still going to burn your mouth if you put that brush in your mouth because your, your belief that it is toothpaste doesn't change the reality that it's Denka rub. And you put Denka rub in your mouth, you're going to have very fresh breath, <laughs> but you're not going to be talking in sentences for a while. And I think that's what COVID's done. It's, it, 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 really, it showed what people really believed and what they were really made of. And, and I think as these guys have mentioned... It highlighted those whose trust was in structures or systems or other things other than their personal relationship with Jesus. And those who, who didn't press into that, well, they've gone after other things. And those who did press into that have probably surpassed them and maybe us too. Can I just add a, I think it's a, a very helpful passage of scripture if you're a leader to go read. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 especially from verse 26 onwards, where in your Bible it'll probably say something like orderly worship. Can I say to some measure, when we talk about regathering as a church, can I say that's God's blueprint? Not exclusively, but actually going back and saying, God, this is what you say should take place every time we come and gather together. I'm not going to go through it right now, but could I encourage you as a leader to go and actually look at those things afresh? I know for us, one of the biggest lessons that we learned, and I think I personally learned coming out of this, is that there's a whole lot of stuff that we presume, and even at times we can push back into, that we think is church, 
but what does this book say? And the hallmarks of the voices of the fathers that have walked before us, for me personally, like Dudley and Leon and others, just the echo of what does Scripture say? And 1 Corinthians 14 is one of those passages that actually brings us back to every time you gather, these are the things. And I'd encourage you to go and hear God and what that looks like for you, how that's to be outworked for you. It's not to copy what these guys or these guys are we're doing because none of us have got it perfectly right. We're all on a journey together. But let the benchmark of our expression, our heart and our desire for the future be that which God says. These things should happen when we gather together. Um, something that Ty's touched on maybe today um, but has said in the past was that God, you know, there were things that stopped pre-COVID and it's not about getting back to the things that stopped. It's about moving forward into some of the new. Um, Is there like anything that you guys have noticed did stop? I mean, yeah, things or maybe things that were started um, that it's like, man, I'm glad for this. Or is there maybe things in your faith that you've noticed changed in these two years? I, I remember just before, because we had been locked down for a long time in Melbourne, just before we came back together, we got together as elders and we felt really strongly that it wasn't supposed to look like it had looked. And when, as we come back together, to not just recreate what it had been, but Jesus, what have you got next? And I know, like, oh, the first few weeks of lockdown, we had some, like, warmly heated Zoom discussions around what are we actually called to do? Like how, what, what does the church look like? Like what, what do we believe in? What do we need to make sure we keep doing whether we can get together or not? Like what is the church? Like we're saying. And what we've found is like we've had people come where, where they had been in church during COVID, the show continued, but the saints weren't activated. And what we had really felt strongly to do and to do as we came back was to activate the saints and not to stop that once we were back together. It wasn't about like, okay, now the elders and the deacons do the things. Like, no, our job is to equip the saints to keep doing the things, to love the people, to disciple the people, to shepherd the people. Like, as they are doing beautifully, don't let us take that back. So that's something that, like, it was stripped out of our hands. We couldn't do it. Like, we couldn't even see people if they were out of our five kilometres. So other people had to do it. Oh, hang on, who's near you? Oh, yes, off you go. Um, but that sort of thing, praise the Lord for databases. Um, yeah, Alvanto is the lifesaver in lockdowns. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, like, what actually are we called to do? And it shouldn't look the same coming back, but what does that look like? Definitely. And for everyone, it's different. Like, we are all a different expression of the bride. But, yeah. Sorry. Very good. Thanks, Sel. Can you stay here? You make me feel real nice. <laughs> Can the we talking, have him, Leo? The, the talking moustache on the front row there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned what stopped and, and what's maybe still going. And I mean, look, obviously for most of us, particularly those of us who are lucky enough to be in the Andrews state, we, uh, <laughs> everything stopped. We had to put up our hand and ask to go to the restroom in Victoria. But, uh, <laughs> and most often Daniel said no. Uh, <laughs> so I really need to go. <laughs> Um, 
So obviously the online thing was, was something we had to learn fast, um, but I think also something we learned from. And what we found in, in our church uh, is that, it, you know, most of the time people don't want to come to church. I'm talking unchurched people who've never been in their life. Most of the time the reason they don't want to come is because what they think is like. What we've discovered is the online experience can actually show them that it's nothing like what they think and actually gives them an opportunity to date us, the church, before they make a decision about Jesus. And and we've found that people, like we'll talk all the time to people who they're new in the church, but they know everyone because they've been watching for three months online. They, they know who the, you know, people get up on the online and say, I'm, you know, I'm Paul and I'm one of the pastors here. So they come in knowing that you're Paul and you're one of the pastors here. And it's, it's actually done a lot to break down the mindsets and the reasons that people have that are actually just mental reasons for why they won't come to church because the church has been happening in their lounge room and it's not what they expected, it's not what they thought. So it's been able to break through a lot of the preconceived notions that were wrong. Now, a lot of those people would never have had a clue that, like, they had an idea of what the church was and no one was going to break it because no one was going to ever get them through a church door. But we got the church through their door and put it on their lounge room screen and now they have an understanding that they were wrong and that it's actually not what they thought, and they actually like what it is. And now we have an opportunity, like, we kind of showed them the church wasn't what they thought. Now that they're coming into the church, now we get to show them that maybe Jesus wasn't what they thought, and we can bring them to Jesus because we, we didn't just shut down, we didn't isolate, we didn't just let all the dictating silence us, but we just got on with it. So we're still getting on with it. We're, we're meeting in person now, but we're still streaming. <laughs> Every pastor in the room just uh, all went with the same heart reaction. Yes, we have some people who don't come because they're watching the feed because, you know, their lounge is more comfortable than our cheap chairs. But I would remind them the tithers paid for the cheap chairs. Uh, <laughs> so if you want better chairs, become one of the tithers, right? Um, <laughs> I'd love our whole church to come and sit in lounge chairs on a Sunday, but not enough of them tired, so we can't. So <laughs> you get the chairs you deserve, is what I'm saying, Paul. <laughs> our poor people have sat on horrible chairs for like 13 years. We still love you all. <laughs> These are beautiful. So we're trying not to throw the baby and the bathwater all out the same window. Like, we want to keep the, the feed going because there's still people that we want to reach. Uh, but, but we're not... And we say all the time, guys, we're not putting this on the live stream so that you Christians who this is your church can stay home. We're putting it on so you're free. you can text your friends and say, you can check this link, you can check out my church, maybe come with me next week. Just a quick testimony. I want to flip that question on its head. What, not what you stop, but uh, Tyrant this morning spoke about uh, multiplication. And, and so uh, uh, 
I, uh, sorry for sounding so positive, but if you're building well, if you're building well and you're committed to the process and you stick with the process and you're faithful with the process, sooner or later, if you're building on the right soil, the right foundations, it will multiply. And so I want to say that before COVID things, whatever, however they were in our church, but we've honestly seen during COVID a multiplication uh, on, on all aspects for no other reason that he brings, he being Jesus, yeah. not Matt Doty, <laughs> but, uh, and Matt Doty does it too. You. But, but Matt, Matt listens to Jesus. But because of the foundations built, uh, that, and, and, and it started before COVID, and when you build well and you build well and you're patient and, and you, you say whatever comes, then, then multiplication comes as a result of being faithful before it happened. And, and when it comes, then God brings the increase. So I just, I really want, I think that's a good testimony. Hopefully it's an encouragement, not makes you all depressed now, but that when we build well and we build according to the pattern and we are faithful in the little, faithful in whatever God gives us and keep on putting Jesus at the center, multiplication is the byproduct of that and it will come. And I do love that. <laughs> What's that, that word about something is the father of invention? Uh, yes. Necessity? Yeah. I think like COVID definitely taught us that in Melbourne. And even um, we had some beautiful two girls join the church who were mums and they wanted to get to know mums in the church. They joined during COVID so they couldn't. So like we just would, they secretly met in parks and other mums would secretly be at the park as well. I know, but you know, grey areas. Take that off the tape. But what was awesome was then the testimonies that have come out of that is that they would meet and they'd be talking together and praying and other mums were so lonely, they were listening in and without even being invited, they were like, oh, like starting to join in the conversations. Now they're in a mums group that's half, 50% of them are completely unchurched mums who come into the church every week to be a part of this community. They're getting prayed for, ministered to, because like the church was outside the building. If we had have had that mums group just be inside the building, that would never have happened. And so now they, when the weather's nice, which isn't at the moment in Melbourne, they still meet in parks for those opportunities. So like it pushed us outside to do things that we would never have done and then... Keep doing those cool, creative things that happen. It's, I feel like hearing all this stuff, it's such a testimony of the God that turns things around for the good of those that love him. Um, his agenda, it's still, it's like nothing. So the kingdom continues to advance in every season.